0: Hi, everyone. It's Wednesday, and that means that you are listening to Spoiler Alert. Now, listeners, every once in a while here at Spoiler Alert, we kind of get fixated on something. Uh, sometimes it's Eddie Murphy's hit film, Pluto Nash. Other times it's an unlimited but temporary access to a friend's Prime Video account. <laughs> and it also pretty often focuses on reality TV shows that just offer a sense of zen. Mm-hmm. Um, for the past few weeks, we have been talking everything you meant tree. From docs to mocks, we have it all. That uh, My word editor does not like that word. Anyway, it's fine. (laughs) Today, we are taking a deep dive into documentary television. Um, As always, a full spoiler alert is in effect. And today, you may find out that you can feed a tiger for only $3,000 a year. Oh. Oh. Wow. (laughs) You you shouldn't. You probably shouldn't. You You shouldn't do it. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Uh, I'm, of course, joined... Via Zoom Teleconference by Sean and Sonia. Hello, you guys. How are you?
1: Hello.
0: Hello. I uh, hope you had a good week. Hmm. We're here recording again, so most as well. Uh, most as well. We're, guys... we're a lot literally alive. So <laughs>
2: we're <laughs> I alive. Guess that's
0: it. Um uh I, we're gonna talk, as I said, we're gonna talk about TV docs today, but today I'm gonna rewind it all the way back to what I think was the beginning of this sort of like I don't know where infotainment fits in here but that's a part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh did you guys ever watch Cosmos in school? Like the old Carl Sagan Cosmos? Oh, no. No, no. no, no. Did you watch it after school ever? You've never seen the show?
1: <laughs> I <laughs> I think I once after. watched I think I once watched it with some friends in a certain context of partaking mm-hmm. substances oh. yeah, and Yeah, I know the devil's it.
2: lettuce
0: was involved, son. <laughs> <The> devil's
1: lettuce <laughs> was involved. Do I remember anything about it? No, I do not.
0: Was your perspective on the universe widened in oh, some way, shape, course. or form? certainly. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt it... like
1: a tiny speck on a mm-hmm. rock floating through space. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, that's a uh, feeling I'm
2: trying to avoid,
0: honestly. <laughs> I
1: like it. I find it kind of freeing.
0: Uh, fortunately, there is another sort of version of this that I think I I I I I'm confused when I ask myself this question. So I'm going to ask you guys: mm. Is Bill Nye the Science Guy a documentary television show? Mm. <sighs> I don't think. Well, right, like like on the surface, I don't think it is. But then you start thinking about the elements, and like it's a weird format mm-hmm. that doesn't. It certainly doesn't fit what we're used to in terms of like. Cinema Verite, mm-hmm. but um, it is it? I
2: don't know. And if it if he was before his time, he's basically doing YouTube videos, be- yeah. but instead, at the time, yeah. they just put them all together into a half hour segment. But mm-hmm. you know, if he was born 40 years later, he'd be popping on YouTube.
0: In mm-hmm. fact, he might still, still be, he's still doing that. Sh- like, he did his show though, right? Like, he kind of redid his adult version of his show with an audience and, like, Carly Kloss and all that, <laughs> um, which, uh, is as baffling as it sounds, I think, but, um, you yeah, people interested in science, I think it's fine, uh, so, I'll, I'll bridge to my next point here, did you guys ever watch, I can't remember, like, like, there's, like, a ton of them from A&E and TLC, like, there's, like, Ancient aliens and oh. pyramids, mummies and tombs, and like they're like they're not. It's I don't know if it's, it's real. just
2: a grab bags categories of words. Wait, you don't know? <laughs> you that don't, don't know if it's true.
0: real, Jeremy?
2: Aliens I don't versus know. I no, Predator or whatever you said.
0: I have no clue if the alien versus predator guys on A and E did enough homework <laughs> to actually present something about Stonehenge that was logical. <laughs> Or if they're just like, we need to fill an hour. I can tell (laughs) you, let's get every Yahoo we can. I can
2: tell you, as a researcher on a show that has very similar budget, I think to some of those, is that you were just like, if you apply, if you're applicable, and we can get you physically on camera, (laughs) you're good to go. And honestly, sometimes that's just how it would go. It's like, are you available? I don't know what kind of crack pottery (laughs) you're going to say. In a lot of cases. Mm It would be my job to do a pre-interview, but sometimes it's sometimes you don't do your job very well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that
2: could oh, man, be a, I am... a case for those.
0: Um, but you guys are familiar with the format I'm speaking of and hopefully have seen one of these long ago. Some of them I can't even like, like, I don't know if you guys recall this whole thing where you're like, oh, I'll watch this for two seconds. And mm-hmm. then there's only 15 minutes left. And you're like, I guess I'll finish it. But is that a TV documentary? Like, is that does that is that this category?
1: Like, kind of, I think. I was thinking about this this week, like, what those boundaries are, and they're not clear. I'll tell you that.
0: No, for for sure not, um,
2: because it is but, technically footage, and it is a filmmaker's bias of just like showing you kind of what someone is saying and wh- what you want them to say, mm-hmm. and building a narrative from that. And what? That's a documentary.
0: And I'm but thinking. also, I think, th- Ooh, I think there is like a a huge sect of like trying to get actual information out there, and then just like what I'm going to call Shark Week content, <laughs>
1: yeah. which is
0: just like let's sensationalize this as much as we can because Discovery did it too, right they had Like, I think Shark Week is a good example of, yeah. you know, uh, I'm just looking. I'm looking at the list here, like. Is Storage Wars a documentary? Or or is that re- reality? I don't know. Like, I, don't I would know say the that's differ-
1: reality TV. But what's the difference? Between but what's the do? difference? I don't know. I think there's a certain element of production mm-hmm. that maybe makes something reality TV mm-hmm. versus, like, a docu-series. Like, a certain amount of interaction between the people producing the work and the people featured in it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you think of reality TV, there's a connotation of producer interference and sort of Mm -hmm. manufactured drama. Mm -hmm. And I would say with, I mean, there are like obviously questions about that with documentaries and I think especially the rise of a certain kind of docu-series and documentary, um, especially of the true crime variety, where- Mm -hmm the perspective of the producer is very much front and center. But I think that's a little bit different than kind of the, the amount of manufacturing that goes on, if that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm. Like, like you're basically sort of drawing a line between someone making something ahead of time versus piecing it together afterwards.
1: Yeah. And also like, you know, encouraging people to say things on camera, like literally Mm -hmm. like reshooting things that happened a la, the hills or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, or like, like none of those conversations.
1: Yeah. 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 Like, orchestrating what happens, encouraging people to react a certain way, sort of like, focusing on things that they know will elicit certain reactions. hmm It just yeah. is a little bit different, I think, but...
0: I I mean, I I hope so.
1: But yeah, that's <laughs> but the thing. I, I don't think the boundaries are always clear.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, over the past month here, I've kind of been... Hit with this thing that, you know. Well, we've we've talked about how ma- you know manufactured documentaries can be, of course, right? And we'll get into bias and perspective in a little bit here. But um, you know, when did, when does it just become, uh, Ghost Hunters?
2: Well, oh <laughs> well <God>. I... <laughs> and Ghost Hunters is literally I'm... like teasing. I feel like the only thing mm. on Ghost Hunters is a tease to a static, mm-hmm. a a. a a thing of static with um, a subtext underneath it, or like a text underneath it, and it's and that's just like next commercial break. This static says "get out," yeah. or whatever. And the static does not say that. And the ghost hunters <laughs> who are trying to find the ghosts are terrified and try and run. Uh, which is like, if you found the ghost, then you should be happy. And it, anyway, mm-hmm. there's all I've <laughs> ever seen from that show is teasing for what's about to come. And no ghost appears. So sorry, uh, no, ghost hunters. Certainly.
1: <laughs> sorry about it. Th- I'm sorry
0: about I think, it. I'm uh, I think I think Sean may have a, a existing bias based on <laughs> based on ghost hunters. But
1: he's right, is the thing. Mm-hmm. He's hundred percent. Like if right. any
2: of those That's- these shows probably have se- seasons and like vast swaths of episodes. If you show me one clear video of a ghost. It'd be all over. <laughs> but they They're never over. have mm-hmm. one. <laughs> They're not even allowed to call no, themselves it... ghost hunters. Call themselves like
0: it's night watchers
1: or
2: something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that is that is definitely true. But um yeah, you know, is I I haven't watched a lot of ghost hunters. I'm not <laughs> seeking out ghost hunters. But like if I watch it. I'm not watching it to see ghosts. I'm watching it to act these people like crazy. Mm. Like, like I'm like, I'm always watching it trying to suss out. Like, does this person believe this or is this for the show? Um, Sean would lead you to believe it's for the show. And (laughs) I think it's probably right. But, um, is it, is it a reality show to people who believe in ghosts and a documentary to those who don't? Is that what they've
1: done? Or the other way around.
0: Wow. (laughs) <laughs> well no. that's why what are you talking about, what are you talking about? anyway i, I don't think know. it's the like,
1: other way around
0: what well no because if you believe in ghosts you think they're what they're doing is real and if you don't believe in ghosts you think that they're just a bunch of yahoos and you want to see what they're going to get up to mm. i don't know um
2: that's
0: fair yeah <laughs> <laughs> these are these are the conflicts in my mind during quarantine <laughs> anyway <laughs> it's fine it's fine it's totally fine uh so let's leave the nebulous past of tv uh <laughs> tv docs behind or whatever you want to call those things um and let's jump to a very logical point in time where we all know something changed and became popular and that is with netflix and that is with making a murderer because yeah. well first of all like it was a sensation yeah. i think like yeah um,
2: i honestly i like i would say honestly the first instance of this for me of the public grabbing at something that we everyone was consuming at the same time was uh uh was cereal was the podcast cereal i feel like that's how it oh was. yeah that's oh, true. that's yeah, when yeah. i remember yeah. that being like oh this is a cr- like a thing that we all need to be watching it's uncovering crazy stuff um and then uh and then i feel like then it, it, an avalanche of things coming thick and fast after that but yeah mm-hmm. um for an um, for television, I feel like this was one that really hit. Like, who didn't see this? Who didn't watch at least an episode yeah. of this? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, or like you know, I I think there's a I know a few people who just couldn't get into it. I think,
2: but well, um, I will say n- that I was, they know about it. I was one of those people because honestly, the main thing that you watch it's you know it's about a man being framed perhaps for a murder he did mm-hmm. commit. But the darkest underbelly is that it's just about a the, a tragic family, like the mm. tragedy of poverty, basically. Like these people have mm-hmm. no way to get out of the situation they're in. And I've stopped watching right. after an episode where the one boy, Brandon Dassey, who is so tragic, he accidentally confesses to a crime, which you would think, how are you? How do you, what do you possibly mean? But when you see it, you're like, oh God. And then he is Mm -hmm. trying to, he's calling his mom and he's like, he's asking here. He's like, they said this word to me and I don't know what it means. And she's like, I don't know what it means either. (laughs) Like they, they cannot, like, there's no way for them to get out of this. And it was really Mm -hmm. dark and I had to be, I had to turn it off.
0: Yeah. Well, and, uh, like when it came out, I had friends in tears over like like oh he just wanted to watch wrestling and like that's kinda true. Like that's yeah. that's not that's not, not what happened. Um but I, I think a part of it is just like the sheer amount of documents available, like footage mm. and all of this stuff, which I mean is fortunate, and somebody somebody saw what was gonna happen and grabbed at that opportunity. But um I I j like I just remember it being so good to watch. Like, it's the first season is 10 episodes. Each one is about, like, each episode's about an hour. Mm-hmm. The shortest episode is 47 minutes. That's a lot. of... Like, that's, we're talking Ken Burns' documentary here. Yeah. Like, and that's I a would, lot of. I
2: would argue that she could have edited, or whoever made it could have edited that. There was some, I there was some, repetitious. <laughs> some oh, very
1: repetition. Some definitely repetition. And
0: the, the second, second season so
1: even was. Not as compelling for sure, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure I watched the first season like over a weekend.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. Um, but this is something this is a criticism that this has faced is because they're what they're going for is to really show um, how intensely Stephen Avery was perhaps framed, uh, whilst leaving out the criticisms were that there was evidence that shows that he mm. very po- like there was actual. Legit reasons to consider that he did do it, um mm-hmm. and then they just didn't include those because it doesn't really work for the overwhelming amount of evidence showing he didn't do it. And so you know, the documentary strikes again because
1: mm. what are you going to do? Because mm-hmm. it has to take a point of view, and it, it
2: has to take. That's one solid, of the things I think is like, that it has to sh- blow your mind in some way.
1: Right. Exactly. And and you know, for me, I think that is. Um, sometimes a failing of these kinds of things because Mm -hmm. they are so focused on this specific narrative and story and things are almost always more complicated than, you know, one single narrative can kind of encompass, especially when it comes to crime and, and, you know, the problems with the carceral system and, you know, the problems of poverty. And like, that's the thing is I don't think it makes it any less tragic that any of the stuff that happened happened, even if he did commit the crime and there were reasons to believe that he might have like it doesn't make what happened to Brendan less sad
0: mm-hmm. if
1: Stephen is guilty. but I think there is this tendency to kind of keep things in this neat and tidy perspective that that the filmmaker has um that I think happens a lot with true crime. That ultimately kind of does a disservice to the broader conversation that like that work is trying to contribute to, which I think is is interesting
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i I think that's a really good point, and sort of bringing up another um true crime uh uh all, it's all be gone in the dark, right that's mm-hmm. what it's mm-hmm. called, which mm-hmm. is about is the East area rapist is what they called him, I think right is that what no anyway the, well uh, it, maybe but it, the Golden well, he State was killer.
1: he he had different names because they yeah. didn't know it was all him. So right. he was the, um, yeah, the East Area Rapist, and then he had I mm-hmm. think another name, and then now he's referred to as the Golden State Killer.
0: Right, that's right, that's the. Um, but really, the show is about Michelle McNamara. Yeah, looking for him, right? Yeah. and it's a tragic, like she. So for those who don't know, Michelle McNamara was a true crime writer who, uh, unfortunately, uh, passed away uh during her investigations um it it the show does a really good job of kind of being a pretty objective true crime mm-hmm. here's what happened and then takes all the liberties in the world with Michelle's story because there's so many people who are passionate about this and involved in everything um and it was just this really weird mix because She's so in this world of telling these stories and making them narratives and kind of profiting off them that people maybe jumped on board because that's what they all do. I don't know. What that's it, interesting. Did you guys get that vibe?
1: That's interesting that you feel that way because I actually think that the way they approached the series was kind of trying to account for some of these issues. Like I maybe. feel like I feel like the series was actually grappling with. M- and Michelle, and like representing Michelle's grappling with
2: mm-hmm. her
1: role in in kind of that cycle, and mm-hmm. like I mean, basically, I don't know that they would have caught him if it wasn't for her work. Is yep. one thing, and then second of all, she kind of like that case kind of killed her. Like it yep. took her oh, to yeah, a yeah. really 100%. profoundly dark place, and so I think I think it w- it actually made a lot of sense to make it about her. And and then that story kind of threw the lens of her because mm-hmm. it sort of accounted for that, that messiness and that lack of boundary and, you know, her own misgivings about being so invested in the case. And, like, yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting how they represented that.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have only read the book. I have not seen the, the mm-hmm. show because the mm-hmm. book, you know, terrified me for a summer. Yeah. But um <laughs> I did not realize that Michelle McNamara was... Like, it was a documentary situation. I thought it was a sort of a fictional thing. So she, mm. like, does interviews. Interesting.
1: Uh, yeah, they have, like, old archival footage of her. Yeah. Like, all this footage of her from the case. Her, um, like, talking to uh, Paul Holes. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, God. Like, yeah. He's so hot, also. <laughs> it's so confusing. Yeah.
2: Sure. Why wow, <laughs> <every investigation laughs> is every investigator good guy?
0: yeah and just just a quick sidebar here what is with this like very hyper sexual thing like there's always a sex figure like in making a murder murderer i remember reading articles Mm. about his lawyer being this like like kind of not attractive but like really elegant man who is attractive for all these other reasons Mm. and like does what right by his people and all these kinds of things. People just like and to see a always... forthright
2: person do some good, and that makes them attractive. That's why people like you... the Homes on Homes guy. But <laughs> 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 just <laughs> fixing houses and doing making good work.
1: I actually have a theory about this chair.
0: <laughs> I would love to hear it.
1: <laughs> I think so. I mean. There's a lot of interesting gender stuff when it comes to true crime. Like, you know, there is an over... Like, overwhelmingly, I would say, the fans of true crime are women. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that it has a lot to do with um, sort of making the way that the world is so dangerous for women manageable and consumable and understandable, like... You obsessively watch these things and read these things and listen to these things in part to like teach yourself to be wary, but also, I think as this way to like try and navigate that reality—the reality of of how violent the world is for for women and how how these things can happen—and then I think there's this element of like the 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 injection of like a a, a sex object or like the object Mm. of desire is like a, it's like a way to create your own agency in that context. Mm. I feel like this is just such a ramble. Is this making any sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Like, like they're taking ownership again of that because it is about handling these narratives, especially in this true crime version of these things right Mm. so i mean you know having heroes or uh, i don't know himbos whatever you want to call them like uh they're not
2: himbos they're doing good work good it's true it's investigation
1: (laughs) and then also i think yeah just like the desire to to have a friendly face in these systems Mm. that are ultimately so oppressive and often fall short like lawyers and cops Mm Mm-hmm. Like let's not even go yeah. there, but well,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um and well speaking of that and speaking of Netflix, um, I feel like we do have to bring up the keepers. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh was this like was this as big for you guys as it was for me? Like it was like a was that it was like a making a murderer nuns? level Yes, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> were they nuns? They weren't nuns. They were trying to solve the murder of a nun.
2: Yeah. Oh, I, I thought yeah. they were also nuns. Who are who were they? How do they know so. her?
0: Uh, They were just her students, I thought.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, I thought
0: students.
1: so. Yes, I literally so. watched the whole thing and I don't remember anything about it.
0: Well, the thing that's crazy is the first episode of this, you get a very Making a Murderer presentation yes. of a Netflix show. And it, it works because you're like, oh, I like that one show, mm-hmm. so I'm going to watch this next show. And then in the first 20 seconds of the next episode, you find out that this is barely about that. Mm. And it's this insane story, which you think can't happen in real life, Mm. like maybe a Stephen King novel, I don't know, but uh, like, it's, it's utterly shocking. Anyway, is the fact that it's real, like, is that the thing that makes it so watchable? is that the thing we're drawn to? Like, if we just had a Netflix show that was this mm. happening, would it have the same draw?
1: Um, I don't know. I'm I don't... Real, I, it oh, might. Oh, oh, no. Sorry, Sean. Um, it might, but I, I think that part of it is that, like, reckoning with, like, this is a thing that happened in the world and that's wild. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's what drives a lot of these stories. Um, sure.
2: I feel like what works against fiction is that if you did write uh, a fictional tale that had mm-hmm. these plot points everyone would be like you're mm. you're crazy you've jumped the shark this, like, this is not this is real mm-hmm. life that we're trying or like we're trying to show a situation that's real whereas a documentary will show you some of the craziest things you've ever seen because it actually happened and people are crazy
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that's if you true. wrote if you tried to write Tiger King people would mm-hmm. be like you'd
2: be laughed out of the boardroom
0: Laughter.
1: This isn't a real character. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yet, I, I almost guarantee someone is writing, oh. at the very least, a Tiger King musical. Which Jeremy, there I'm, are two okay.
2: Tiger King adaptations in production at this moment. Oh wow. my god, are you
0: serious? Of course. Yes,
2: one starring oh my god. Uh, John Cameron Mitchell from Hedwig, and the other what? one starring <laughs> maybe Nicolas Cage, I think.
1: okay that actually makes sense though
0: all right you guys well with that being said i'm gonna need a minute here (laughs) we're gonna have to take a break to hear a word from our sponsors because i am turning red right now i I thought that was a joke uh we'll be right back you're listening to spoiler alert on 91.3 fm cjtr regina community radio we're tuned into the community (laughs) bye Hey there, all you cats and kittens! Uh, you're <laughs> listening to you're listening to Spoiler Alert on ninety one point three FM JTR, Regina Community Radio. Today we're talking about TV documentaries. Uh, but before we continue, does anyone? Uh, where is this thing? Same with no is. Mm. I
2: have no concept of time anymore.
1: The sun setting. It's game time, people! Why? 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 For those
0: Surprise. who don't know, or if you're just tuning in. The game is where I spend approximately 10 minutes this week looking for a title related to our topic that these two have not seen or heard of. I tell them the title, they tell me what they think it's about, I tell them what it's really about, and we all have a great time. You guys ready to play the game? Ready. Yes! Okay, let's see if I can do this. This week's title is Hamilton's Farmer Pharma... You <laughs> can do it. Up. I screwed myself up. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Hamilton's. Pharmacopeia? Uh, no, that's I'm not right. <laughs> <laughs> Sonia gets to decide whether to leave this in or cut it out. <laughs> Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. I told. does it I make any trouble, more sense
2: you saying it that way. No, it
0: does not. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> but a huge part of the game is saying the title correctly.
1: Mm. So that's true.
0: Uh. Who's who's up first? Um,
2: I can go first. So I believe that this takes place in Hamilton, Ontario, before uh, nationalized healthcare. Um, and so when you would go mm-hmm. to a pharmacy, they would have a sort of the that you would put your name into the pharmacopoeia, and it, it was sort of a lottery for medication. And oh. so sometimes you didn't know what you were going to get, and you just get a bottle mm-hmm. of of something. But then you could. Mix and match with other people, and you could sort of sell on the black market. So uh, it created a very strange um, economy of of drug dealing in Hamilton, Ontario. Wow! Yeah, thank you, Sean. It's it's a part of our heritage. Part of our
1: heritage. (laughs) A heritage moment about the pharmacopoeia.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Sonia.
1: Okay. This is going to be one of my most deranged guesses to date.
0: <laughs> Stoked!
1: I think that this is a docu series about a hamster named Hamilton, who mm-hmm. managed to work his way to the top of a pharmaceutical company, but everyone like like no one knew that he was a hamster. So he just managed to always like call into meetings. Like mm-hmm. no one ever saw him because he was kind of the boss. Mm-hmm. Um. And he ran this whole crazy scam, um, to try and gain um more power for hamsters, uh, the world over, and finally was discovered, and it really just shook this company to its core because um they realized that a, a hamster managed to become vice president, um, and so it's just about like the fallout from that situation.
0: Uh wow yeah okay they're Thank like you. why does it feel yeah. like Thank we're you.
2: running on a wheel.
0: A, <laughs> yes exactly just uh, continuous uh uh well i'm not surprised to say that you guys are wrong in all ways, shapes and forms but that's okay because this one was kind of rough um, this one was uh very rough yeah mm-hmm. uh hamilton's Macopia is a uh it's a i don't even know what you call it aside from what do they got it here do they have a word for it Nope, no, they don't. Uh, it it's um it was originally produced on Vice Land, uh, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like uh, a big sort of attempt at ha- at Vice having a TV channel. Uh, so it's created by Hamilton Morris, who is the son of Errol Morris, oh. um, and it's all it's all about these kind of interesting, cool stories about drugs and hallucinogens and other sorts of different things. Um, they're pretty good. They're still on YouTube. You can watch them. They're 20 minutes to half an hour long. Um, one of them, they're searching for a, a, a they're trying to find the correct toad to lick in the jungle.
1: Oh.
0: One of them is just about like those float tanks. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say Joe Rogan is involved. So uh, i sorry. Uh, no. Just for a little bit. Just for a little bit. Um, and float honestly, Rogan. you could
1: probably use it. Some, some sensory deprivation. He needs to calm down.
0: He doesn't it every day. Um Wow, maybe he needs less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, maybe. Yeah. Um
1: yeah, there's a lot
0: there's quite a few good uh there's one of them about ketamine that's amazing and it, I think it was the first one I saw cuz it had all the views. But um yeah, it's it's very good. There's a, anyway, there's uh, a drag check queen it out. on
2: Australia's drag race right now. Named <laughs> ketamine.
0: Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> oh my. Uh well, Sean, and on Thank you for playing the game. Thank you, Jerry. Um we're we're talking about all things TV documentary and all the ins and outs of that. We talked about Netflix and we have come to its center, its apex. It's time <laughs> to talk about Tiger King, the
2: chewy caramel center. We've,
0: we've brought up on the show before. We, we had an really... episode. Wait, what? Me? We did. I I can, I I don't know. I can't remember. It's. It seems like that's sort of thing we should have done. I don't know if we did. I think or not.
1: we did, but I could be also. Well, this is also during mind. the
2: beginning yeah, of the pandemic where I yeah. <laughs> was in a fugue state. So it, we could have
1: done well, that we, I'm still in. My fugue state has only deepened, so <laughs> I could have imagined uh, it.
0: But I, I want to talk about Tiger King. I also want to talk about Wild, Wild Country. Mm. Because I, I do think there is this sensationalism yeah. that is a part of it, and then that sort of grows out, and they sort of make these things to make it, right? Everyone is talking about Tiger King. Everyone is talking about Wild Wild Country. It, like, are they just making these stories into a product that's so digestible that everyone's excited? Are we learning things about the human condition? Like, what's happening here? Yeah. Go. Go!
2: Well, yeah, so Wild Wild Country was, you know, a really zeitgeisty like, moment, and it was mostly just kind of crazy for me because it's like a shocking piece of American history that, mm. like, I like my boss. I was talking to her about it. She's like, "I kind of remember that. Like, it was in the news, but you know, wh- what are you gonna do? I forget." And then I was like, "This was. It seems like I feel like this would be on the top of the news of a cult um, moved to Oregon." And just began living their life there in apparent lawlessness and, like, taking over a town. And, like, this story, I guess if people don't know, it is the leader of this cult uh, named Osha. He moves all of his followers from India to uh, a small town in Oregon. And they, like, take over the town council and they... uh, In less than democratic ways uh, the documentary lets us to believe and changes the names Mm -hmm. of the street signs and, (laughs) and OSHA's right-hand person is named ma Anan Sheila. And she is painted as a sort of administrative whiz and like a get things done type of lady. And then she spins out of control and things get very dark with her and she breaks Mm -hmm. many, many laws. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, it's just wild because it starts out of this sort of blissed out hippies situation. And then it just gets, it turns into like attempted murder and like biological warfare, uh, blending up beavers to use as uh, to poison water. it It, it gets really wild.
1: Parting in busloads of homeless people and then giving them drugs.
2: Oh, yeah. Winning an election by... To keep by, them
1: complacent.
2: By busing in tons of homeless people to become part of your town. Very <sighs> wild.
1: Yeah. Um, that's, It's an interesting question, Jared, because I think there are, like, kernels of learning that can happen. Like, Oops. I would say, hopefully, people are a lot more aware of the fact that it's common to just have these like private zoos that can own big cats in the United States and -hmm. that that's a problem or like people maybe now know a bit more about cults than they did before. But the problem is that those things that I think are like the central issues, like that's like why you make a documentary is to tell people these stories and tell them about things that are important. They, they end up becoming sidelined by the like the entertainment of it and the like the 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 narrative and the story and just the sort of like wow that's so wild which I don't blame people for that because I was the same way like that's kind of how they're produced is to kind of draw you in and so then I think it's interesting because it's like the information almost ends up taking a back seat to the stories to so the mm-hmm. celebrity like you know? Carol
2: Baskin was on Dancing yeah. with the Stars like look for Ma- oh Anan God, Sheila really? on the Masked Singer like I'm not. Surprise! i not be surprised. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. That's so dystopian, but so true.
0: Um, I I think especially with Tiger King, there there is such a like an alienness to the individual that is Joe Exotic and the lives of the people around him. That it's it's it is kind of this very like like, you know, oh I'm normal and so I'm gonna watch the crazy person Exactly you know, do this thing. Um and I do worry like if we do get into a running man situation, right? Like where we're just watching like prisoners fight each other to the death on TV for our like we're like we're on that track, right? Like this, for sure this we live dot, in that reality. Like like those dots are connected. We don't know what's in between, but we're on our way. Um but uh, at the same time, it's it's so enjoyable to watch. It it really gives me such dread and like emotion, and you can't not watch. It. You gotta finish it. Well, like mm-hmm. you just don't know what's when you said
2: like that. Joe Exotic is not a person that, like is you know a a, a made up insane person. I don't. I disagree, and that's why I think it's so it was so weird for me to watch is I feel like I kind of know dudes like that or like they mm. could go that oh. way very quickly or easily and that is what's crazier is that honestly like people that know him didn't even think this was a very wackadoo story and then when you see it in the context of like what actually is going on you're like you know I see I see now <laughs> how it's wild I'll, bet there's, but I'll bet there's a hundred the, But that's the of like thing that I think in Sean is like. Oh sorry. Just like how about seven yeah, stars I mean, is full of them?
1: Wait. I think you're right. But I do think I think I think you're kind of both right in the sense that we that's that's the ideal reflection that a person might have. Like, oh, all humans have some capacity for some of this behavior, or like, here are the things that I might identify this kind of behavior in the people around me. But instead, I think a lot of people do go the route of, wow, it's such a relief to me that I am not that kind of wild, uh-huh. crazy, criminal, silly, embarrassing person. Like, I do think that there's an element of, like, distancing yourself
0: uh-huh. from
1: that that image. and And uh-huh. I think that the series, like, kind of walks that line of, like, at times – they're kind of portraying the situation in a way that's like nuanced and interesting. And at times I would say like when they like just show his music videos, you're, you're being told to laugh at him. Like you are Mm -hmm. that there's not really, I think another way to read that. So it's tricky because I think the filmmakers kind of play into that.
0: But, but does that other thing also happen? And again, this is my very much Joe exotic, not, and also that guy from Florida that, other guy who they oh, are probably Doc. making right. a show, yeah <laughs> uh, who i think but, has
1: been charged with things now yeah i think goodness. yeah
0: no i think he's done um i don't think but, he's a real uh, doctor <laughs> um uh but there is this like whole thing of like the camera is on like this <clears> is your moment to shine and make you know yeah. and i with like with joe i really wonder if you know like at the point where he, like, kind of loses his mind and says he's financially ruined <laughs> or whatever because of that incident. Yes. A, First a of famous all, meme like at that, this point now, too. Th- yeah. Like, like, that's, I mean, it's not a great train of thought, but it is a very real thought, right? Like Like, you know, his business, his livelihood, all this is now in jeopardy. It sucks. It's terrifying. I get it. But, like... That was like the only sincere moment I can recall from Joe Exotic, and even it, and like you said, has become a sensation. <laughs>
2: like I think like, a lot you know, of it like was it's just sincere. It was like to me, it was like yeah. the Grey Gardens, like grotesquerie of it. Yeah, it was just like yes. the filmmakers were just like, I feel like just jaw dropped behind the camera and just like the it just wa- was washing over them. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Um, okay, well, and and speaking of those camera holders, we'll we'll move into our last sort of segment here, um, and that's this just idea about the bias of who is telling the story. Um, we uh, we we've also talked about the vow and then inside seduced by the Nexium cult, um, which are kind of two shows about the same people and mm-hmm. about the same topic. Um, Sonia, do you want to open us up on this one?
1: Yeah, well I think the I mean the vow is kind of from one perspective of like Mark Vicente and um Sarah and Nippy and kind of people who had been in uh sorry, I should back up and say this is these documentaries yeah, are both true. about um the Nexium cult, which is very interesting. We've talked about it on the show before, but um if folks don't know, it's it's really interesting to read about. Um And so The Vow is the series from former, produced by former members, um, and focusing on the perspective of former members of the cult. Um, And then, sorry, what's the other one called again, Jer? Inside? Uh,
0: Inside. Seduced Seduced. colon inside the Nexium cult. Seduced colon. (laughs) Seduced Seduced colon. colon. (laughs)
1: Is also from the perspective of um, survivors of the cult, but kind of survivors who were more subject to the gendered violence that was kind of at the heart of Nexium like it's uh, um but so they're both kind of these stories that i think are mostly about people kind of grappling about their experiences with the cult but they're kind of presented as these objective and informational mm-hmm. tellings about cults and about that cult specifically mm-hmm. but they both are very much i would say embedded with personal feelings mm-hmm. struggles ideas and memories. honestly
2: like saving their own butt yeah. yes like trying to really uh, cover up their involvement in a lot of ways
0: especially in the case of the vow yes where it is sort of revealed you know uh so the the the, the main sort of Apex of the story is that women are being branded and brainwashed and groomed. To do yeah. Yeah. To, to do what this cult leader, Keith Ranieri, wants them to do. And there are women involved in telling this story. But I, I remember there's a scene near the end of it where there is the, an ex member, and then the other one's an also an ex member, but his wife had been branded in this ceremony thing. And they are talking about the whole situation. And I remember thinking, why are these two talking, like, what, like, why are, like, this horrible thing has happened to these women, Mm -hmm. which they have access to, right? Like, that's, like, that's what the whole thing's kind of about. But then we're getting this perspective that is just really sort of jammed in. Because I do feel like, what was his name again, Sonny, the filmmaker? Mark Vicente? Yeah, it was him. I, like... He Rightfully was like, so. Keith's,
1: he was like Keith's right hand man and was mm-hmm. very complicit in a lot of the stuff that went right. on.
0: But I also feel like, like a part of the documentary is him sort of absolving himself, but also yeah, him just like working through what he yeah. did maybe. Yeah. So I, I, I do think like there is some good with the bad. It's just such a strange perspective to me, mm. you know, like, it's just like, uh, where, whereas in the, the inside colon uh one uh I do feel like it's it's much more from the perspective of like who the thing happened to yeah and like we can't always get that right like it's not a but it's just so odd to me for someone to like choose that story choose their own story instead of something else
1: well and I think there's a way to do that like for me that's really interesting for someone to tell their own story and and mm. I think if if they had been a bit more honest with themselves and, like, been a bit more forthcoming and had had sort of appeared to be, like, trying to absolve themselves a bit less, mm-hmm. I think it would have been more compelling. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily telling a story of something that you were part of, but it's it's that level of honesty about sort of, like, your role in things. Mm -hmm. that I think becomes really important because like they, I mean, they were victims in a sense, like it's really complex. It's not, it's not easy, especially for the one woman, Mark's wife, who Bonnie, who's in a lot of the film. Um, But ultimately I think it's, it's like your viewer can tell when you're not saying, like when you're not saying the quiet part out loud, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And the other, I think the other thing that not hurt it, but that sort of is having both of them available to us mm. to get both perspectives mm-hmm. is sort of like very telling. Cause I remember watching one episode of one show and then being able to watch the next episode of another show and, you know, coming to revelations of one about the other. Yeah. Um, but.
1: When we talked about this, but the vow was way too long. Like, they, it didn't need oh, yeah. to be as long as it was. And I think something that Seduced did better was they had more like interviews with cult experts and like some more kind of explanation about like how and why it happened, which I means. thought was more compelling in some ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Anyway, well, that was kind of a danner. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys have anything else that you want to talk about before we uh, talk about what we've been watching lately? Nah, no. Uh, okay, no, that's cool. Uh, so uh, it's that
1: time of the show. What you guys been watching? So mine actually is a docu series, kind of. Um, it's called Couples Therapy. It's mm. on Crave. Um, it is a series of just documented uh sessions of an actual couples therapist, Dr. Orna Guralnik, um, and like <laughs> a bunch of couples that she follows through I know her name's wild. That sounds um, like the game throughout <laughs> Yeah. Um <laughs> throughout the uh like course of the show. Um but this season, this this is the second season, it just came out, was interesting because it spanned over COVID. So um a couple episodes into the season, the pandemic starts really kicking off and they have to do like zoom sessions um for these therapy sessions and it's pretty interesting to see people navigating like the added pressures of um the pandemic but yeah it's a it's a really interesting show it's i have some ethical questions about it for sure like i just i wonder how effective a therapy can really be when people are aware that they're on camera yeah Mm -hmm. whether it's even like ethical at all to do that like I'm so curious about her like professional standing in terms of it, but it's it's really interesting, especially for me as someone who wants to be a therapist to like see that. Um, and it's just really interesting seeing people talk about kind of their really vulnerable innermost stuff in that context. So yeah, it's
0: interesting. Cool. Nice.
2: Sean? Um, so I started watching a Netflix series called Shadow and Bone. I know that's not Ooh. my date night, okay? Um, it uh, <laughs> It is, uh, it's like, it's very bloody, it's magic, it's, it's sci-fi, it's kind of like a old west retro sort of um, aesthetic. People have been describing it kind of like Game of Thrones, but mostly just because like people that you know sometimes just will die out of nowhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but... I'm I don't know if I suggest it yet. It's kind of fun. It's basically there's like a group like um a lot of people just suddenly have magic powers and they're separated as children to like go train somewhere um and then there's a like a scary magical rift that's in the middle of the world that is full of like it's a darkness that you can you have you can barely pass through uh and but it can be killed by a sun. Uh a Sun Summoner, which is a mythical, like magical being, and one girl, spoiler alert, might be it. So anyway, Whoa. we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. It sounds nerdy as I said it.
0: Uh I finished the show. Oh. Um I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a line in the sand right now and say it's better than Game of Thrones. Okay. Whoa. Um I I think I think it is. If Game of Thrones is eight narratives at once, I think Shadow and Bone is two that mm. are very well sculpted together. Like, they did a lot of work. Uh, wife of the show, Ellen, of course, has read all of the books, so That's she knows right. all of the things. Um, but uh, it's kind of cool. Um, so one half of the show has been completely made for the show. So, like, no one knew it was going to happen, and they've changed oh. a few things. Um, yeah, so it's uh, uh, it's pretty good. Um, I. I immensely respect two things out of it. Uh, the first is that um, it does not waste the viewer's time. Things progress. There is never, there like, it is always the next logical thing, and you are never waiting for something to happen. Gotcha. And it, like, Game of Thrones did that so bad, I hated it so much, where are just like, you know, one thing happened in an episode in Game of Thrones.
2: Mm.
0: Um, Number two, I think I mentioned this, uh last week and the week before um it is so good to just not see european fantasy again mm. yeah true and i i really think like we just we, like we get it like it let's let's just do something else it can come back it can still be important it can still be all these things but um you know like we yeah we just we just need to see something something new uh for my what you watching uh, i showed child of the show pinky and the brain today and Cute. uh um, we, uh, I, I haven't found, I might have to buy a, a, a DVD. <laughs> a which what? Is, Jeremy, what? No. A DVD? You can't yeah. do
2: that.
0: If it's five, if it's $5 cheaper to get a DVD thing to, to what, buy something on Google? Like, I don't, anyway. You guys, that's all the time we have. <laughs> I'd like to give a shout out to the Garys for the use of our theme song, Manatuna. My co-hosts, Sean and Sonya. Uh, everyone here at CJTR and to our listeners, Spoiler Alert is broadcast live Wednesdays at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Thursdays at noon, and is available as a podcast on CJTR's website. We're on Twitter at Spoiler Alert YQR and Instagram at Spoiler Alert CJTR. See you guys next week. My Electric is coming up next. Bye. Bye.